0: A shepherd stands in front of the sheep and leads the willing. A sheepherder gets behind the sheep and drives them against their will. God doesn't control us against our will. I'm Jimmy Evans, co-host of the Marriage Today podcast. Today we have a great teaching for you that I pray grows your marriage and blesses you as you seek to center your marriage on Christ. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to be notified of every new show. God bless you. And this message today is called Breaking the Curse of Control. And we're talking about how to be in an emotionally healthy marriage, an emotionally healthy relationship. And in healthy relationships, you don't control each other. Now when Karen and I got married, I controlled her. I mean, I was a very controlling, dominating husband. Uh, we were on the brink of divorce, it ruined our marriage, and it always does. Control is simply not of God. But in Genesis chapter three, you know, Adam and Eve sinned. and God created them perfect and put them in a garden of Eden. Uh, The word Eden means pleasure and delight. God created marriage to bless us. God created marriage to be a place of pleasure and delight. And as long as Adam and Eve were submitted to God, they lived in a beautiful paradise. That's what their marriage was. But the devil tempted them and they rebelled. And when they rebelled, God cursed them. And (coughs) if you remember God cursed Adam and God said to Adam, no, "It's not going to be easy on you anymore, Adam. You lived in a paradise and you didn't have to work, but now it's going to be by the sweat of your brow that you get everything that you get." Then God came to Eve. This is Genesis three sixteen, and here is the curse. This is the New English Translation, and here is the curse that God pronounced over Eve whenever she felt. To the woman He said, "I will greatly increase your labor pains. With pain you will give birth to children. You will want to control your husband." but he will dominate you. Now this is not about women because uh, domination and control is gender neutral. There are as many controlling men as there are women. But what God is doing here is he's declaring a curse now now that they rebelled. And let me give you a, a paraphrase, the King Jimmy version of that scripture there. God says to Eve, when there was only one God in the garden, things were very peaceful. When I was God and you and Adam were under my authority, it was very peaceful. But now that there's three of us, it's gonna be a fight. Now that you've decided to be your own gods, now that you are no longer under my authority, you're gonna to try to see who can have authority over the other and you're gonna to want to control Adam, but he's gonna dominate you. It's a catfight fight with no decided winner. And so that is the curse that happened because of the rebellion of man against God. And let me say very clearly, and I'll say this at the end of the message, the cure for control and domination is to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to come back under the authority that Adam and Eve rebelled against. And so we have a sin tendency as human beings, as a part of the fall, we have a sin tendency to control and dominate each other. Now, I'll do the poll that I'm gonna do here now. And let me say this, if you're with your parents, don't, don't respond to this, okay? I've done this poll all over the world, hundreds of thousands of people face-to-face, always with exactly the same results, okay? So here, here's the poll, and I want you to respond, and I also want you to look around and to see other people's response, because it's, it's amazing. How many of you grew up in a home where one of your parents was clearly dominant? over the other parent, raise your hand if you did. Raise your hand real high and look around, look at all the hands, okay, so uh, most hands are up. I mean, almost everybody's got their hand up. Okay, put your hands back down. How many of you, of those of you who just raised your hands, how many of you believe that that had a negative impact on their marriage and the family? Raise your hands if you would. Raise your hands real high. Okay, so I've done this all over the world and the hands go up immediately. It's 60 to 70% of every crowd the hands go up immediately, okay. So when you ask the first question, how many of you had a parent clearly dominant, most people were raised in a home with one parent dominating the other one. Most of us did. And all of us knew it was wrong. When I asked the second question, how many of you believe that had a negative influence? The hands go, people don't sit there and go, let me think about that. You know you knew it was wrong. You knew it was bad. So let me say this. If I'm still kicking 20 years from now and one of your children is in one of my marriage seminars and I ask that question, how would they answer that? Mom control dad, dad controlled mom. Let me tell you how they ought to answer that. If I ask that question to your children, they should say this, my parents were a team and they respected each other. But let me ask you another question and this, this is a new poll I started last night. Okay, you're, the, you're the second group of this poll. Now look, look at the hands of this poll. How many of you have been in a relationship where a person tried to control you? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. Okay, Most of us have been in a relationship with a person trying to control us. So This is something that, that all of us can relate to, but as Christians, as believers, we are told not to control each other. Now let me, let me say this, there is authority in your boss at work or your parents or whatever, church, There is authority, and when you're in an arena of authority, you know, there is control that comes with authority, like police officers that we should love and respect for all the good they do for our culture. But understand, even in those cases, when there's authority, the Bible tells us to be careful how we treat each other. This is Mark chapter 10. Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said the unbelievers lord over each other, they dominate each other, but not so among you. Even if you're in authority, you have a servant spirit and you're very careful with how you carry that authority. This is husbands, First Peter 3. And men are not over women, but if men are the head of the home, they're there to to do the right thing for the home with themselves being the last consideration. Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding, she's different, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together, co-heirs, equals, of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. And what what God is saying here now to men is if you mistreat your wife, I I won't honor your prayers. You cannot disassociate the way you treat your wife from your relationship with God. You can't be abusive to your wife and expect God to, to hear your prayers. So this is saying, God is saying, I consider the way you treat your wife is you know something that is an inherent part of our relationship. Now it says, giving honor to the wife is the weaker vessel. Now I don't believe that women are weaker. I believe that women can do anything. I think that God made women a little bit physically weaker so they wouldn't take over the universe. And because the sisters would be running the universe right now if they if they were a little stronger, they would be. So God did us all a favor, made them a little weaker. So Ephesians six, fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. And what provokes children to wrath is non-relational parenting. Barking at children, also hypocrisy. Expecting your children to do something that you're doing in front of them. And I'm not talking about adult things. I'm saying, you know, you're telling them to do something that you're doing. So You bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Masters do the same thing, give up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So again, if we are in authority and we are controlling our children or controlling people, we have to be careful with the spirit that we use, that it doesn't become unrighteous. The the problem with control is this, we are the only creatures on the earth not designed to be dominated. We are not. My in-laws, Karen's folks took us to Africa. about maybe 15, 20 years ago. And for two weeks, we were in the bush every day with wild animals. We we went in the morning, came out at night, and it was fascinating to be in, in Africa with wild animals. And what you notice in Africa is in every species of animal, there's a dominator. There's an alpha male, there is, there is some animal in that group of animals that is dominating the rest of them except for human beings, we, it violates us. It's always wrong, it always violates us and we'll never have a healthy relationship as long as there's control in that relationship. And again, I wanna say I was the controller early in our relationship and it ruined our marriage. We had no intimacy, we had no goodwill, we were on the brink of divorce because of the the dominance that I exercised. So I wanna talk about the three ingredients of of control. When you're controlling another person or you're being controlled by another person, there are three types of control that people exercise. And we're gonna use the analogy of Jezebel. Um, And this is not about women because there are just as many men that do this as women. But there is a, a woman in the New Testament and in the Old Testament named Jezebel. And Jezebel employs the full range of control. That's the only reason I'm using her is because uh, she was unbelievable in the way that she controlled, Old Testament, New Testament. So here are the three ingredients of control. Number one is manipulation. This is Revelation chapter two. To the angel of the church at Thyatira write, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass, I know your works, love, service, faith, your patience and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. And indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the mind and heart and I will give to each one of you according to your works. So that's the New Testament Jezebel. Here's the Old Testament Jezebel in Second Kings 9.30 and when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. This is sexual manipulation. And so the New Testament, Jezebel, it says she seduced the saints of God into sexual immorality. And we have an entire generation of young women being taught to use their sexuality to manipulate. The way they dress, the way they act. And this was what happened with Jezebel, and and young men too, I'm sure. But this is what happened with Jezebel in the Bible. She used her sexuality to manipulate. You can manipulate through money. You can manipulate through self-pity self-harm, deceit, whatever whatever it might be. But the word manipulate means to control or influence unfairly or unscrupulously. And typically, this is this is typically, a person who feels weaker manipulates. If you're in a position of authority or if you're in a position of power, you typically don't manipulate. You feel weaker and that's why you're doing it. But this is what Jezebel did. The second ingredient of control is intimidation and this is a ramp up from manipulation. A lot of times when you're being manipulated, you really don't know it until afterwards. Um, But when you're being intimidated, you know it. First Kings 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. Now this Jezebel was a vicious, vicious person. We'll read another scripture here in just a minute. And uh, Elijah had just taken on 450 prophets of Baal and destroyed them. And this one woman with this Jezebel spirit, this one woman sends a message to, uh, to Elijah and said, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. By, by the gods, I'm gonna kill you by this time tomorrow. And this man who wasn't afraid of 450 prophets of Baal was terrified by Jezebel and ran away from her. And when he got there, he asked God to kill him. He said, I don't wanna live anymore. And so when a person has a Jezebel spirit this against men or women, it's, it's frightening. They want to use intimidation to control you. And that's what terrorism is. Worldwide terrorism, if you don't do what we're saying, we're gonna threaten you. Threats of violence, threat of exposure, I know something about you and I'm gonna tell everybody unless you do what I say. A threat of self-harm, uh, I'm gonna kill myself, I'm gonna hurt myself if you don't do this or if you do this. Retaliation, divorce, adultery, financial harm, whatever it might be. And so intimidation, using intimidation to change a person's behavior. Okay, that's control. Number three is domination. Um, 1 Kings 18, for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water, massacred. Physical force, financial force, force of personality, political. The way that I controlled Karen was just force of my personality. I had a stronger personality than she had. The other thing is I'm a fast talker, I'm a fast thinker. That's not always good. Uh, sometimes I talk in front of my brain and that's not a good thing. Karen doesn't process information as quickly um, and she can't speak as quickly as I can. So early in our marriage when we would have a fight, I would just overpower her with the force of my personality and the force of my language and, and things like that. And so some people, they just, they wear you out. If they don't get their way, they'll just wear you out. And you know another way that you know you're being controlled is you're going to pay a price if you don't go alone. That's the way people control others. You can can come against me, but you're gonna pay a price. I'm gonna train you. So that's that's how people control. Why does God curse control? We're gonna talk about breaking the curse of control. Why does God curse control? The first reason is anyone we control, we've taken God's place in our lives. If, I, if I'm controlling another person, I'm not talking about righteous authority now, but if I'm controlling another person, I have taken the position of Jesus Christ in that person's life. But believe me somehow I guess I have a divine right to do that, but we don't. Only God has the right to control. But, but I wanna tell you something about the nature of God and that is God is not a controller. You, you'll never wake up in the morning with the Lord standing at your bed going, now get up and pray right now. Now you get up right now, you man of God, you woman of God, and you pray and you read your Bible and you, he doesn't do that, he could, but he doesn't do that. Let me tell you something about the Lord. He's a shepherd, not a sheep herder. A shepherd stands in front of the sheep and leads the willing. A sheep herder gets behind the sheep and drives them against their will. God doesn't control us against our will. He gives us the opportunity to do what we want to do without being controlled. Now there will be an end of the age of grace, and then according to our will, we go to heaven or against some, our will, some people will go to hell. There will be a time that God imposes his will, but all he's doing at that point is just honoring what people decided. But God is not a controller. And so that it's against his nature. And whenever we're controlling, we're taking his place. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage. And I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast.